song. And the question is, have, have you been there? Because Christ has come to heal the brokenhearted. And the very fact that, that, that we are broken, that we are desperate, is, is why he came. That's why he stepped out of heaven for, for each of us. And, um, and I, I thank you for that song. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to turn today to, to, to John, the third chapter. This week, and um, we're going to be in the third chapter. Next week, we'll be in the fourth chapter. The following week, we'll be in the fifth chapter. And um, just some things that had really had burdened my heart a few weeks ago, and now it's the time to, to get back and begin to, to work through these passages. And um, I, I think God is speaking uh, to the church very, very Clearly, right now, folks, um, as um, you know, as you know, it could be that you can look at the world and say, "Hey, these are the worst of times," or you can look at Jesus and you can say, "These are the best of times." And um, to know that that Christ has called out His church for 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 a time such as this, and God that we need to be about our business of of what He's called us to. Jesus knew what His business was. You know, Jesus said very, very clearly, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Uh, Jesus realized that's why he came upon this earth. He didn't come just to be a teacher or, you know, just a, just a mentor. And, and even though he was all of those things, he came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And who does that speak to? to? That's anybody apart, apart from the saving knowledge and the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe there's people sitting here this morning that that um, that you've you've never come to Christ in, in a saving knowledge. You might know about Jesus, but the question is, do you know Jesus? You know, you might have been really good thing. Uh, you think you've done a lot of good things, but I, I'm here to to tell you the Word of God says um, there's none that doeth good. And when we compare ourselves against man, we may look okay. But when we compare ourselves against the holy, righteous God, the Bible says our righteousness is nothing more than filthy rags. And, and folks, that's truth, whether you like it or whether I like it or not. See, that's, that's one of the great problems in our world today. We tend to take and, and redefine words in a way that makes them feel good to us. But the problem is not you or me or anyone else is the, is the, the judge. Only God himself is the judge. He defines the word, and that's why we need to seek truth. Um, I can't make up truth. You can't make up truth. It's, 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 it's not a, just because a majority decision does not determine truth, this truth is truth. And um, we want to look at some of those truths even to deal with our own salvation today. Um, a few weeks ago, I, I, we, we looked in the, the fourth chapter. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a wonderful story there. There's a story about where, where Jesus, as he was coming out of Jerusalem and he was heading back to Galilee, that um, the Bible says he needed to go through Samaria. Now, if you're not familiar with, with the historical context of that, that was a big deal because the Jewish people hated the Samaritans. This was a group of people that had been, after the... Jewish captivity of many hundred years ago, that um, the way the nations would really break up a culture is, is um, they'd take many people out of that culture and then they would implant many people within that culture to, 
So there could be inbreeding and, all, and not only that, but with different types of religions and different things. And the Samaritans kind of grew out of that. There, there were people that knew about God because many of them had, had ancestors that had been there. But, but because of the many different thoughts, they, they had kind of formed up what they, they thought their own ideas about God was. And um, they, they were considered unclean by the Israelite people. And it was so offensive to be around the Samaritans that they would take the long way around normally to, to go up to Galilee. And, um, but Jesus, this son of man, um, he who is righteous himself, the Bible says he needed to go through Samaria. Well, I, we find out why is because when they traveled all, all day, and, and our Lord is a man just like you and me, Man, it might have been like one of those days like yesterday, hot, and, and um, boy, he, he, he got tired and he got thirsty. It, I think it's sometimes hard for us to understand that Jesus was a man just like you and me. And um, he sat down at a well. His disciples were, you know, had to go out and find some food, and, and they had a big issue on their hand because where are you going to find good kosher food in, 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 in Samaria? So it took them a while to scout out. And, and while he was there, Jesus talked to a woman at the well. And wow, this blew all the customs aside because, first of all, she's a woman. And men in the Eastern cultures did just not talk to a woman that was not their wife out in public. So that still goes on today, folks. Not only that, she was a Samaritan woman. And, and, and what would Jesus be talking to not only a woman but a Samaritan woman? But not only that, she really had a bad reputation. As a matter of fact, it was uncovered that um, she had been living with five guys, you know, and, and I'm, I'm probably not all at one time, but, you know, um, um, you know, she is, she, you know, one guy didn't fit her needs, and so she'd find another guy, and, um, and then even the guy she was living, or um, she's not married to, and, and um, but that didn't matter to Jesus. And he began to, to share with her about the living water. And it so impressed her, she ran to her townspeople and says, let me tell you about a guy that's told me everything I've ever done. And about this time, his apostles came back and, and he cries, what are you doing? You know, um, why are you talking to this woman? You know, isn't it so easy for us, even as churchgoers, to be so judgmental? You know, there's, there's, there's some people you can talk to and some people you're not supposed to talk to. And they said, here, we brought you something to eat. And she said, I'm not hungry. And they thought, why? We know you have to be hungry. But then Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. He says, I, I, I've been eating. I've been eating and it's something you don't understand. And that's why, that's when Jesus Christ told him this, and this is a thing that really stuck into my heart and, and that we really looked at. When, when he said these, these words to them in, in, in the fourth chapter, verse 34, he says, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say ye not that there are four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look into the fields, for they are white already in the harvest. I shared with you that I thought it was interesting that when the commentator said that about this particular time, if you put it all together, that the townspeople, after they had heard this woman, they was coming to theirself, and, and they might have been all in all their white smocks and their dress coming across those fields, and Jesus says, look at there. Fields are white. No, no, or, or he may have just meant ready. 
But folks, I, 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 I challenge you today, and that's what I want us to look at over the next few weeks, that the fields are wide in the harvest. We want to look at some of those fields. And, um, and, and we're going we're gonna to step back just one chapter and, and look at a field that sometimes we don't even, we don't even explore. You know, we're going to look in the field of the church itself. And, um, and, and I think there's a beautiful picture of that in John, the third chapter. So let's all stand together and, and, and read with me John, the third chapter. And we're going to start at verse 1. Jesus Christ was in Jerusalem. Now, it's just the, absolutely the epicenter of, of Jewish culture. Um, you know, he, he, was, he, was, he was born in Bethlehem, raised up in the Galilee, and up in Galilee, and... and um, the man Jesus had began his teaching and began his miracles ministry, and um, but people were taking notice. You know, some people just was drawn to him, some people did not. I, I just feel very compelled to read back in verse twenty-three of chapter two because I think you, we lose this connection every now and then. And I, I tell you, this is something that that really should grab us. In verse twenty-three of chapter two, he says, "Now when many." Now, now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. Hmm, that's, that's cool. But Jesus did not commit, and it's the same type of work. He didn't, he didn't put his belief in them. Hmm. What's going on? Because he knew all men. And he needed not to say that any should testify men, for he knew what was in man. So, folks, that, that really establishes the fact there's, there's a difference between saving faith and not saving faith. There's a lot of people that have a, a, a knowledge of Jesus Christ that they can believe some basic things that this is a special man of God, but the Bible says what Christ is concerned about, what's in your heart. He says that, that many believed on him, but Jesus didn't believe in them. Woo! Does Jesus believe in you today? See, you can, you can look good to me. There's only one that knows your heart, and his name is Jesus. And, and boy, that, that should be something that grabs us. And then, and then we find the very next verse. Remember, that this was just the very next thought. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can, this, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not, do not be amazed that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst tell whence it cometh, and whether it goeth, so, everyone, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, art thou, and the King James has an um, indefinite article here, but... but um, in the, in the original text, it's a definite article. Aren't thou, aren't thou the teacher of Israel and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto you, we speak what we do know and testify what we have seen, and you've not received our witness. 
If I've told you earthly things and you believe not, then how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not a Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Him that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Wow. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd take this text, and God, I just pray that your words would just, um, God, I, I just pray that in a mighty way that you would just um, apply them to our lives. And, and God, I pray that, that God, that open our eyes that I could see. Father, your, your word says, my sheep hear my voice. I pray this, this morning that, God, that you'd give us ears to hear. And, God, that, that, Lord, that you would give us a mind that we can comprehend, that we can understand, dear Father, because salvation comes from you and you alone. And I pray, dear Father, that you would just um, allow us to cast away every excuse and, God, look into you. I, I pray that, God, that, that you'd give us the heart of Nicodemus and, God, that we'd come seeking today. And God bless this word. I pray that God today that your words will bring life to someone that does not know you, Lord. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Well, there is absolutely so much within this particular passage. I'm just, there's some things I just want to hit and I want to talk to you about today. The Bible says that when Jesus came to Jerusalem, that he was in, in, in the process, he had, he had performed many miracles. Many people believed in him, but but Jesus necessarily didn't believe in them because Jesus knew what was in them. And folks, that's a very powerful concept that we need to stop and we need to begin to understand. Remember earlier that Jesus Christ has said, that I shared with you in the fourth chapter, in the very next chapter, he talks about though he was in the middle of Samaria. He said, look, the fields are already wide in the harvest. That's what I want us to stop and to look at today, that Jesus Christ has called us as we've been called to be followers of him, that Jesus says, if he's come to seek and to save that which was lost, then dear friends, he's called us to do the same. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that over and over and over um, in the word of God. Do you remember when he called Peter and, and Andrew and John and James, what he said to them, come and I will make you what? Fishers of men. And, and that's the same idea that, that, you know, that he has called us to draw the net. As a matter of fact, that each one of the gospels is, ends with, and, and then the book of Acts begins with what we know as the Great Commission, that we're to go into all the world and make disciples. And so it's obviously that that's what God has called the church to do, that he's called us to be that light that's set upon the hill. He's called us to be the one to, to take his message throughout the world and into the fields. And Jesus says, you know, there's not something that's going to happen. He says, matter of fact, you don't need to wait four months. They're already white in the harvest. They're already, um, they're already to, be, to be gathered. And so I think that we need to stop and we need to look at those particular fields because sometimes I think we trample some fields trying to get to another. And that's what I want us to do today and, and look at the field. And I want to look at the field of the church itself or, or religious them today. 
Because I think that if we would be honest with ourselves, that, that we might understand that, that even within the church today, or what we call the church, the fields are really white in the harvest. There's one thing that's going on within our nation today that I, I think as much as anything, that there's going to be a great dividing within the church. Within the situation, I, there's a long article that's written by Russell Moore that says, you know, this is probably the end of cultural Christianity, and I totally agree. Because it's been in the past where, where church was just the thing to do. That's the thing that you came and hanged out. You know, you come to make business decisions. That was the popular place to go that made you well within the community. And, um, hey, if you're as a guy, as good-looking girls go to church, you know, you know, that's why half the guys showed up at church anyhow because they, you know, they had a girl on their mind. And, um, and, and so a lot of people find them in church, and our church roads are filled with, with what's called cultural Christianities. You know, within their Christians or, you know, people that say that, yes, I believe in Jesus, but, but, you know, when Jesus looks into our heart, he doesn't believe in us because he knows what's within our heart. But see, there's only one type of Christian, and that's a truly a child of God. That's a person that has truly committed himself, and they, 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 they died to themselves, and they've been made alive in Jesus Christ. And I think that's something that we as a church at Rayford Road owe it to ourselves to stop and, and look at the field around us right now. When Jesus Christ saying, you know, look, the fields are white in the harvest, and, and yes, there's fields down in Honduras. We just sent a group down to Honduras, and yes, there's, there's fields in, 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 in other parts of Central America as well as other parts of the world. But what about right here? What about right here within our own life? And I think this is a marvelous story that we find out because Nicodemus, if, if you really wanted to break it down into, into church talk, um, he was a churchman just like you and me. And I want us to look at Nicodemus for just a moment and begin to hear his story and then apply that to our story. Because the Bible says there was a man called Nicodemus that came to Jesus by night. The Bible says he was a Pharisee. He was a ruler of the Jews. Wow, Jesus, when he was out and about his ministry, especially during his time of his miracles, people would just press upon him all the time. Why did Nicodemus come to him by night? And, and there's a lot of speculation about that. Some said that him being a Pharisee would probably be embarrassed because of, he didn't want to be seen with Jesus Christ. I, I tend to disagree with that. I tend to believe that, that maybe this was late at night and, and Nicodemus wanted a personal audience with Jesus Christ because there were some things on his heart. I've had many people that stop me that, you know, can I talk to you after the service? Because they needed to sit down and talk to me in, in a way that they could, they could connect. And, and, um, and I kind of sense this with, with Nicodemus. Now, um, and, but he came to Jesus by night so that there could be a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And, and um, whatever his motive was, that's what happened. But let's just take a look at Nicodemus. And let's just begin to ex examine Nicodemus and apply his life by your life and by my life. You know, as, as all good church people, you know, good church people. You see, the first thing about it, um, that when we look at Nicodemus, you know, and culturally speaking, Nicodemus was a very good man. My mom and dad used to use that, or especially my mom, boy, he's a good man, or she's a good woman. And I'm sure you've heard that. That's a, that's a good Baker County way of speaking about someone that has lived their life in a, in, in a pretty upright way. And, and I think that if, if Nicodemus was amongst us today, that, was, that would kind of be the thought of Nicodemus. Because first of all, obviously he was a very religious man. The Bible says he was a Pharisee. The, the, the idea and the, 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 the Pharisees came out of the time that was 
um, kind of between the Testaments when the, when the Israelites had kind of had, had, had lost their people. There was a group of people that, that really understood that we need to get back to the Word. And really the Pharisees came from a people that, that, that achieved or what desired to get back into the Word of God. And the idea of Pharisees being a separatist, not that they were people that went out and lived by themselves, but it was talking about that, I, you know, that if, if I'm to be the, the man that God wants me to be or the woman that I need to be, then I need to separate myself from the world. God says, be holy for I am holy. And, and there, you know, there's some things in my life I don't need it in my life. And so they begin to really study the Word and study the law uh, from the standpoint that they wanted to live a righteous life. You can't. Hey, man, that's, that's a pretty good thing. Boy, wouldn't it be exciting if there was a bunch of, if Christians within the local church today would begin to realize, I've got to get back to the Word of God. I need to see what God says about this situation, and I need to begin to separate myself from, from the world. And that's who, who, who he was. And in, in a very positive way, many times we hear about the negativism of Pharisees, but in a very positive way, these were people that, that knew the Word of God and they, they wanted to allow the Word of God to, to teach them how to live. Now, no doubt about it that many of them began to, to completely uh, allow this to cause a self-righteousness within their life, but just because he was a Pharisee that says he's just a very religious man. He was a churchgoer. He was a... He was a Sunday school teacher. He was a guy that, man, every time the synagogue opened, he was there. And, and um, he, 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 was, he was just a very religious man. And I'm saying that in a, very positive, in a very positive way. But because he was a Pharisee, there's another thing. And because he desired to live for God and desired to take the word and apply it to his life, he was a very moral man. There was a strong morality, obviously, about Nicodemus because he, he tried to live in the Word and stand with the Word. And, and, you know, when I think about the idea of morality, I think about synonyms such as uh, virtuous and he was good, he was uprighteous, he was upstanding, he was honest, he was just, he was noble, he was incorruptible, he was um, respectable, and, and, and he was a decent man. Man, who doesn't want their husband to be a moral man described, or their wife to be a moral woman, or our children to grow up and be very decent, moral people. And this is how Nicodemus was known within his community. Because he was very religious, he was a very decent, he was a very uh, moral man. Again, our culture would, would call him a, a good man. But also, the Bible says that he was a ruler of the Jews. And this is the thought that there was a group of people within the, within the Jewish nation that was, there was 71 that was, was called what's part of the Sanhedrin. And they were the Jewish rulers of the day. These were people who were very prominent, very important within their community. They were the, the ones that people would go to with their problems, with their trials. Um, some would call them the, the, you know, the, the, the Supreme Court or the, the ones that, 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 that really would help the Jewish nation hang together. It was that you, sometimes people were part of the Sanhedrin, they kind of born into that. Sometimes it was a political thing. But, but just think about it, of all of Israel, there was, just, there was just 70 guys, whether you want to call that the part of the Senate or the legislature or whoever, but, but they were, it was their task to keep their Jewish culture together. And so out of all of, all of Israel, he was, he was part of that, that class of people. And, and I don't think you could, you know, sometimes we think of a politician or whatever, we can't think about a bunch we got in Washington right now, and I don't want you to do that. I, I, I think he took his responsibility very, very well. I mean, this meant a lot to him, and because it meant a lot to him, 
that, that, that people looked up to him and people honored him because, uh, you know, probably, in, you know, if you, if you wrote a letter to him, it would be the honorable Nicodemus and, and, and would be true in every sense of the word. So he's very religious, he's very moral, he was, he's very prominent and, and, and important within Jewish life. I mean, he was a guy that you would love to have as a part of your church. There's a, there's a little thing that, that, that really jumped at me as I was studying this that I, I'd looked over before, but I think he was a very, very respectful man. He respected other people. And, and Pastor, how do you come up with that? Listen to how he addressed Jesus Christ. He said, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi. Now, Nicodemus had probably studied in the, in the, in the, in the finest of Judaism schools. Jesus had he'd come from Galilee. He'd come from a part of the country where, where even his own, one of his own disciples couldn't anything good come from there. His carpenter was a daddy. He, 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 um, and, 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 and many had, I'm sure it was rumored that even Nicodemus had heard the rumor that, that, that he was born in a kind of an illegitimate type of situation. And, 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 and here Jesus is talking, and, and when Jesus was, was preaching, that, you know, I'm sure there was rumors amongst others that were talking in the crowd, you know, he's, you know, he's just a phony. He, he, he's from... He's from Galilee. He's, you know, they were very disrespectful to Jesus Christ. But not Nicodemus. I think the very fact that Nicodemus, when he came and he spoke to Jesus Christ, he says, Rabbi, which was a very honored term. Don't you like to be around people that just has respect for other people? You know, that other people might be talking about him, but there's... There's some people you hang around with that just, just makes you feel good because they, they respect who you are. And I, I think that's who Nicodemus was. I think he was a very respectful man that, that even as he sat down with Jesus, this one that other people, you know, he'd heard all the stuff, but, but he would even call him rabbi, a, 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 a position of honor, a position of respect. We find later when Jesus was talking to, to Nicodemus, he's, when Jesus said these, these words, art thou the teacher of Israel? Not, again, why in the, in the King James they, they use an indefinite article, but in the, in the, text in mo, in the original text as well as in most of, your, most of the other translations, it uses the or a particular, a definite article. Which, so when Jesus said, you know, aren't thou the teacher in Israel, I think what Jesus was saying to him, Nicodemus, I thought you were the guy. You know, you're the one that not only are you a, a teacher in Israel, but you are the teacher. You're the one that all the other teachers come to. That you have such a grasp of the law, you have such a, a grasp of, of, of Scripture that, that, that when other people want an answer and we really want to get clarity, we come to, they come to you. So obviously, he was a very knowledgeable man. He knew the Word of God. He knew the law. He knew Jewish custom to the point that, again, he was not only a teacher, he was the teacher. 
Wow. This guy had to have it all, didn't he? I mean, when you, when you look at Nicodemus, it'd be very easy if, if he'd come in and you got to know him, and, and not only was he was such a, a very important and a very prominent man, but you begin to learn about him and, and find out, you know what, this is a pretty good guy. You know, there's a lot of people that we can watch on TV and we hear about them, but, but you don't really know them until you get to really hang out with them. And even when you begin to hang out with Nicodemus, you find out, gosh, this, this, this guy's respectful. He, he, he knows what he's talking about. Certainly, he has to be a child of God. You see, I think it's one of the great issues that we have within the church and throughout. You know, it's very easy to people to judge people as being uh, being lost, but I think sometimes we judge them of being saved. See, it goes both ways. Well, we see people out there to say certainly they need Jesus, but we look at other people because of their their reputation and their so-called goodness and their morality and, and mercy. My, they're a pastor or they've been a member of this church for, for 85 years and they've taught Sunday school for, 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 for 62 of those years, that certainly this person must be a child of God. But that's not necessarily so. Because Jesus knows what's in your heart. You know, and so, friends, you and me can stop here today and, and begin to rattle off, you know, everything, who we are and what we've done and and um, all, all, how many trips we've made to Honduras, how many, you know, that, you know, baptized at this age, and then, you know, man, and baptized again just in case, and, and, um, and all these things. But the question is, does Jesus believe in you? Man. Nicodemus? Certainly he has to be saved. Certainly he has to be a child of God. But I want to remind you what the Word of God says. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul wrote these words, there's none good, no, not one, taking those passages out of Psalms. Remember, reminding you also what um, Isaiah, you know, wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that our righteousness is nothing more than filthy rags before God. Again, Nicodemus might be very, very good as compared to other people, but Standing before God, he was nothing more than filthy rags. Wow. And when I begin to think about that, because probably if I stood behind, even beside Nicodemus, I would want to think I fall a whole lot short. But folks, Nicodemus has to stand before the same God I stand before. So where does that put you and where does that put me? You see, Jesus says the fields are wide in the harvest. And I, I think that Jesus says, you know, the first field you need to start looking in is right here. Right within your own body, right within your own, own church, right amongst your religious folk. But let's just just to be frank about it, because if 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 the, if 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 the if the if the children of God, if 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 the true children of God have stood up and been the true children of God that we should have been the last two hundred years, just the children of God, our nation will not be what we're dealing with today. And um, because, because we would not have even allowed within our own lives to, to live some of the lives that we've lived. 
And so Jesus Christ, we, we find that, that Nicodemus was a very good man, and I'm speaking about in the idea of the, the world's point of view, but in Jesus Christ's eyes, Nicodemus, I, I believe when Jesus looked into Nicodemus, I think Nicodemus, in the eyes of Christ, um, probably realized Nicodemus was a lost man. He was unsaved. He had never been redeemed. Remember, Jesus can see in our hearts. Because Jesus dropped the bomb. He was not impressed. He wasn't impressed upon about Nicodemus being a very religious man or a very prominent man or a very moral man or a, a, just a, a very kind man. That didn't impress Jesus a bit. Because what he did is he looked Nicodemus in the eyes and he dropped a bomb on him. He said, Nicodemus, you religious moral, intelligent, knowledgeable, important man, except you be born again, you shall not see the kingdom of God. Hmm. What's Jesus Christ going to say to you and me when we stand before him? You think he's going to be impressed because you're a member at Rayford Road Church? That you're a teacher of Sunday school? You think he's impressed because you took the kids to camp or you took the kids to on, on a youth mission trip? I think what he's going to do to every one of us, and he's going to look us in the eye and says, you know, you know, really, except you've been born again, you shall not see the kingdom of God. Well, I think that that should be something to make us stop and we should really think about. See, in... First of all, which I, I didn't put that under your notes, but one thing that is quite obvious from what Jesus said to him, that, that probably Nicodemus was blinded about the things of God or the kingdom of God. Now, he knew a lot about God, but uh, he probably never really understood the kingdom of God because when he says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, that's a word that can, you know, it might mean little eyesight, but it's a word that as much as anything means that you can't see with your heart. You can't understand, you can't comprehend these things. As a matter of fact, it reminds me that when, when John started his Gospels, it, it, in, in, in John 1, verse 5, it says, And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And I, I think you say in Nicodemus, except you be born again, you cannot see, you cannot comprehend, you cannot understand the kingdom of God. And although he was so very much knowledgeable in many, many areas, he was not knowledgeable. He could not see, he could not understand what the kingdom of God was really all about. He was thinking of more of the physical where Jesus Christ was speaking more of the eternal. He was talking about more of the, the, the just the um, rising up an earthly king where Jesus Christ said there's a spiritual king. And he was thinking so much about, you know, to, to go out and do things in, a, in, in righteousness compared to men where, where the kingdom of God is, 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 is not man's righteousness, but it's, but it's God's righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ. And he had no comprehension of these things. He could not see him because why? He has not been born again. And you say, well, how do you know that he's not born again? Well, listen to what he says. Well, what are you talking about? He had no clue of what it meant 
to be born again. I, when, I, when I read this passage, I think about when I was in Chicago. I was up with an evangelism group in Chicago. We, then we, they sent us out door to door on the outskirts of Chicago, and it was a very, um, to be honest, it was a very Catholic-based area. Chicago is very, very um, Catholic in nature, and we just went on knocking on the doors, and just a big, nice neighborhood. And, and a woman came to the door, and she, well, first of all, her child did just as much polite young man and, and there was another teenager there, very polite people. Mom came out, very polite, put together. I mean, made you feel real good. You know, was not trying to push us off anything. We began to share with her. And I remember the words that she said, are you some of those born-again Christians? You knew right then she did not have a clue about what the new birth was. That, that she tagged that as all, all, almost some of them people out there. And I remember us sharing, well, you know, Jesus did. You know, Jesus himself is the one that kind of brought that term. Except you be born again. And, and again, this was a very put-together people. They were very nice people. But they didn't understand the idea of being born again. And so, you know, that could be whether it be in a Catholic household or whether it could be in a, in a you know, in a Protestant household or anywhere. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, it was in that neighborhood, but that, that concept was completely unknown to them, folks. Unless you've been there and you've experienced this, you're blind to it also. And Nicodemus was blind to it. Nicodemus kind of stood back and he, and he said these words, you know, he said these words, you know, to Jesus. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter into his mother's womb to say a second time? He, see, he didn't have a concept. He was thinking about a physical birth. Jesus was talking about a spiritual birth. I think it's also very interesting that that when John, John uses the language in a very unique way, that many times when John uses word, there's words that can have dual meanings. And even when he says born again, that can have an idea of being born again or a second time, or it can be an idea of being born from above. And what's so neat about when John teaches, they, they both fit perfectly. Or Jesus, you know, could have, it could have been translated just as easily, have you ever been born from above? You know, there, you know, we've all been born once, but have you been born again? Have you been born that second time? Folks, that's the question that we all have to ask. And Nicodemus did not have a concept of that. And, and we can come back later, but, but what Jesus began to do is he began to take this man that could not see and he began to talk to him because Nicodemus was blinded uh, to the kingdom of God and he was really confused on the manner of salvation. In Nicodemus's eyes, as well as the Pharisees' eyes, that a person is saved by, by what you do, but being a keeper of the law. And so, therefore, you are meticulous in making sure that you do everything in the law. But, folks, the, the, the law, as, as Paul reminds us, was never intended to save man. It was only intended to show man you can't keep it. Because all you have to do is break the law in one place. And you've broken the whole law. See, that's the sticking point. And so Nicodemus was confused about, about all of this. And, and here's this man with all of this pedigree. And Jesus asked him, have you been born again? 
And the, and, and, and the word continues, and Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I send to you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And what has Jesus said when he says, Thou, you know, unless a man has been born of the water and the Spirit? Well, there's a lot of um, interpretation that's on that. And to be frank with you, I don't totally know. I, I mean, there, there is much interpretation. John came preaching a baptism of repentance where, where John, the, uh, John and Nicodemus knew very much about John the Baptist, that, that John the Baptist came preaching a, 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 the need, the need of, of repentance and baptism of repentance. And so um, is he speaking about that, that there has to be repentance and of the Spirit? Or, you know, that, that many times the idea of, of Spirit is... is, is there's an imagery of water, you know, as he's saying, you know, unless a man been born of the Spirit or the water and even the Spirit, you know, kind of combining them two and repeating himself, um, it could be. Hey, could it be? Some have said that, hey, Jesus is speaking about that the many times we know that, that uh, you know, in a natural birth that there's water involved with that. Is he speaking about natural birth? And, you know, that is Jesus talking about as, unless you've had natural birth and then you've had spiritual birth? I think there's some clue to that. He says, but he, 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 because, as, as some have said, Jesus gave commentary on his own statement when he, when he said in the very next birth, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. I, you know. But what Jesus is saying, there has to be more than that physical birth. We've all been born once, but the question is, have we been born again? Have we born, been born twice? And what he's speaking about is not in a physical manner, but have you ever come in a spiritual way of, of, of being born into the kingdom of God? Because until we've been born into the kingdom of God, the Bible says because we are born into this world and we're all sinners, that we're not, we're not part of the kingdom of God. And that's what you have to understand, that when we're born into this world, we're not born into the kingdom of God. We're, we're, we're born into the kingdom of the ruler of this world. And until we are born again, that we are transferred from the, the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's why Nicodemus couldn't see, because he was still in the kingdom of darkness. He could not see. His eyes were blind. And until you're born again and, and born into the kingdom of light, that your eyes open up, your, your understanding, because now you're not seeing through physical eyes, you're seeing through spiritual eyes. And the question that I have to ask each of you today, have you been born again? Have you? Does Jesus believe in you? It's, it's not so much with just confession of your mouth, because the Bible says, many will come into me that day, Lord, Lord, and, and, and um, haven't we done all these great things for you? But Jesus says, I never knew you. And that's where it was with Nicodemus. And so he, 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 he was blinded to the things of the kingdom of God. He, he was confused on the manner of salvation, and I, I believe that even through his conversation, you can see that he had never really experienced spiritual birth. And I submit to you today that our churches across the America and across the world are absolutely filled up with people that, that knows the things of God, but they've never experienced a spiritual rebirth. Because, folks, the Bible teaches us that when that we have been born again, the Bible says we are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things 
become new. doesn't mean that we're perfect, but it means that we, once we begin to be, once we receive Christ and Christ comes and changes our heart, remember, salvation begins within the heart. And then that's why Paul speaks about that we need to work out our salvation. It starts within, but as we live, then our salvation will begin to work itself out so that others can see. If your life has never been radically changed through the gospel and through the blood of Jesus Christ, the one who came and he died for you, then dear friends, you need to stop and ask yourself, maybe I've never been born again. And I think that's what's so cool about Nicodemus. The Bible says Nicodemus came by night. I believe Nicodemus was wanting an audience. See, I believe with all my heart that that Nicodemus, when he heard Jesus Christ, this this carpenter from Galilee, this this untrained man and ignorant in in the eyes of all the other other Pharisees and the rulers, that, that Jesus spoke a word that was different. And I believe that there was something within Nicodemus's heart that said, I need to hear more from this man. And so when he came, he says, you know, he called him rabbi. You've got to be, you've got to be from God to do these types of miracles. And I think there was a longing in Nicodemus' heart to hear more from him. And, and, and I believe there was, a, there was a searching heart and there was a, there was a humble heart. Yes, he was full of questions. And you realize, you know, that, that Jesus didn't push him off. Jesus, it didn't bother Jesus that, that Nicodemus didn't understand. Uh, folks, a blind person can't understand. But Jesus was able to speak to him, and, and just as respectful as Nicodemus was to Jesus, Jesus was with Nicodemus. Because there was a man that had a searching heart. A man that, that maybe there were some things in his heart that he began to doubt about himself that maybe it's not so important that I be a Pharisee. Not Maybe it's not so important that I've done all these good things. Maybe there's something that I don't understand. I just, I just believe that, G, that Nicodemus came with a searching heart. And Jesus didn't pat him on the back when, when Nicodemus says, you know, Janie, it's okay. You're a good person, Janie. You don't have to worry about it. I think sometimes we help lead people into hell because, because we don't, we don't tell, ask them, have you been born again? We want to confirm, well, you're a pretty good person. Look what you've done. You know, Jesus did not get caught up in that. He loved Nicodemus, and he, was, he loved him enough to tell him the truth. Nicodemus, if you've not been born again, And what did Jesus do? He did not begin to tell Nicodemus about all the good things Nicodemus had done. He began to speak, he began to point him to Jesus Christ. Just like Moses lifted up the serpent, Nicodemus knew that very well out of Numbers 21 when the people rejected God and and God was about to destroy the people and 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 the people ran to Moses. What are we supposed to do? We've turned our back on God. And, And God says, You take a serpent and you put him up on a pole, and he took a brazen serpent, which recognized, which um just is it was known as the sin and the penalty. You put it up on a pole, and the people that look at the serpent. You see, Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, just like that serpent was lifted up, so much the Son of Man, I have to be lifted up. I have to become sin for you. And it's not by looking at your own righteousness, it's by looking at me. 
as he pointed him to the cross. This is the way a person is born again. Is recognizing that I came to be sin for you. I come to take all of your unrighteousness. And you can't look at your righteousness. You've got to look at me. That I became sin for you. He said, Nicodemus, for God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. And Nicodemus, if you believe in me, you'll not perish but have everlasting life. Nicodemus was a religious man, a moral man, an important man, a respectful man, but he still was in need of Jesus Christ. And as I close out today, dear friends, I ask, what about yourself? Do you consider yourself a good person, religious person? Jesus is nice. Except you be born again, you shall not see the kingdom of heaven. Let me ask you, has there been a point in time that your eyes have ever been opened? That you begin to understand your own unrighteousness? Do you understand your own standing before God apart from Jesus Christ? Do you understand truly that the, the, the cost that, that, that God gave by 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 given his own son while you were yet sinners, that he let Christ die for you? Do you think in spiritual terms, has it come into their life that when you've been born again, that you've been born out of darkness and now into light, and, and now your heart's desire is to live in the light as he is in the light? If not, I invite you to Jesus today. I invite you to come to Jesus. Folks, I can promise you, I can't save you. This church can't save you. It's only through the blood that was poured out by Jesus Christ himself. For he became your sin and he became my sin and he died on the cross. And Jesus says, for whosoever believes in him is not condemned or not perished. I think it's very interesting that the Bible says in the very next verse that Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He, he was not trying to condemn Nicodemus. When he said that at that point, Nicodemus, I'm condemning you because you've never been born again. That's not what he was saying because Nicodemus is already condemned. He was, trying to, he was trying to bring Nicodemus to salvation. And you know what? Even though we don't find within that passage, I believe we do find that Nicodemus came to salvation. The next time we hear about Nicodemus, he was with the Pharisees, and he, he was the one of the crowd that stood up for Jesus Christ. And then at the death of Jesus Christ, when all the other apostles had left, it was Nicodemus that came and prepared the burial for Jesus Christ and, 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 and spent tremendous amounts of money for the burial of Jesus Christ. When, when, when what had happened is that, that would damage his standing within his political and spiritual community. I mean, his, spirit, his, his, his religious community had just crucified Jesus Christ, and here come this one that it had been very easy for him to just hide out 
But he made a stand, and he paid a tremendous amount of money for the burial of Jesus Christ. He said, I don't care what y'all think about me anymore. You know what? I believe there's some time today that Christians need to stand up and be Nicodemuses. That instead of running like the apostles, that we need to stand up and say, you know what? It doesn't matter what people say about me. This is my Lord. This is my Savior. And I've placed my trust in him. He is my righteousness. And so today as we close, I, sp- I wanted us to see that when Jesus Christ said the fields are already white in the harvest, we need to start right within the religious crowd. That's us, folks. Have you been born again? Have you come to that point where you've, you, you've placed your trust in Jesus Christ that there was a radical change that's occurred in my life? Because again, I go back to that passage where the Bible says many believed on him because of the miracles that he had done, but Jesus didn't believe in men because he knew what is in their heart. Do you need a heart change today? doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter whether you're a deacon. doesn't matter whether you're a Sunday school teacher. doesn't matter whether you've got a pedigree that's as, as long as it can be, except you be born again. I ask you today to come to Jesus. Father, we come now, and Lord, as we begin to close this service, God, as we look at Nicodemus, I, God, I thank you for this story. I love this story. That God, here was a man that, that in the world's eyes, everyone had to say, certainly he must be saved. But Jesus saw it in his heart. But I thank you for Nicodemus, that he was humble enough that he came searching. And, and, and I pray today, God, that you would humble our hearts. I pray that there are people here today, God, regardless of how long they've been members of this church or another church or, or God, um, what their pedigree is, Father, that, that God, that they might, must ask themselves the question, have I been born again? Does Jesus believe in me? And I just pray today would be the day of salvation. I pray today that people would come and they'd cry out to Jesus in a humble way. That even as, 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 as Nicodemus came searching, they would come. So God, I bless this. I ask you to bless this time of altar. And God, I invite, I, I just pray that you would invite people today. God, again, your word says, your sheep hear your voice. I pray, God, today that you would just bring some of your sheep home, Lord. That you'd just open ears, oh Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I absolutely love.